Amen. Thank you, Brother Joel. I appreciate that. If you have your scripture and want to open up, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 3, uh, 4, and 5. You know, I'm involved in a, with, and, and I also attend a fair amount of funerals. And, um, you know, when death or when sickness or when trauma or tragedy strikes, Many times we hear uh, the same words. People say, if there is anything I can do. If there is anything I can do. And and people realize that uh, in that moment of crisis that there probably isn't much that they could do. But they need to express their willingness to to help if the need arises. And the support of our friends, the support of of those around us is extremely appreciated and and so, so valuable. I mean, it's so incredible. And many people are in the same way, they're they're in the same way with the body of Christ. And uh, they want to help and they want to play a significant role, but they don't know what they can do. And, and so Paul has told us, uh, as we read last week, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Uh, instead, we are to think with, with sound or accurate judgment. And this continues uh, with this same thought today, reminding us of our role within the body. And Paul wants us to see that we are interdependent, not independent, not dependent, but interdependent upon each other uh, in the body of Christ. We need each other. And uh, that's the bottom line. This morning we're going to look at these uh, words to discover how we can help in the body of Christ. And we're going to be in Romans 12, uh, verse 3 and following. Paul writes this. He says, for through the grace given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think as to have sound judgment as people, excuse me, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. But just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for our time together and father I pray that you would just guide us as we seek you I pray that your holy spirit would just open our hearts to to see the truth of your word and father that you would um, just guide us in our time together this morning father we love you we thank you for all that you are doing and I pray that you would uh, just bless us today as we seek you and it's in Jesus name that we pray amen Folks, we need to understand something about the church, that we are all in this together. We are all in this together. You know, Paul uses the analogy of the human body, and he reminds us that even though we have many different parts to our body, we have the heart, we have uh, the liver, we have our arms, we have our legs, we have our eyes, and and, and et cetera, but it's still one body. And, And each of the parts of the body works together so that the entire body can be healthy. And I think this is huge because Paul says that the body of Christ is the same way. He says that there are many parts and functions, but only one body. And, and notice a couple of things here. First, we 
as believers in Jesus Christ, are part of the body of Christ. I mean, praise God for that. Praise God that he allows us to be part of Christ's body. And and this is important because others are not part of the body. Let me say that again. Others are not part of the body, but we are part of the body of Christ. We are not the central figure. He is. He is the most important one. He is, you know, it's not about our preference. (laughs) It's not about what I want. It's not about what you want. It's about his truth. It's not about our needs and whether they're met or not. It's about his will. It's about his truth, it's about his will, and it's about him. And that's why we are part of the body of Christ. Second, I would say this, the parts of the body need to work in harmony with each other. In our human bodies, if the arms decide to work independently and do whatever they want, there's a problem. If the heart decides to beat whenever it wants to, the body's dysfunctional. If the colon decides to do something different than its normal function, folks, that's trouble. And when the body doesn't work in harmony, we call it disease. To be effective, the body has to work in harmony. And in the same way, Christians are called to work together to accomplish the work of our master. I mean, do you understand how important it is that we work together. See, in order to be effective, we must work the way we've been designed to work. I mean, it's not just do whatever you want. You were made for a specific purpose in the body. If my eye says, I'm going to pick up that weight, my arms are saying, there's no way you're going to do that. You need me to help with that. And so it's that way in the body of Christ. You know, it's amazing because there's a couple of different things that I think hinder the effective working of the body. And and first, I want to say this. We are hindered by the growing professionalism of ministry. More and more service, more and more teaching, more and more leading and decision making is being left to the professionals, to those whom we've hired as ministers. And in other words, ministry is what pastors and ministers do. But you know what? With that kind of mentality, with that kind of attitude, with that kind of moving forward, what that says is it says that church members are becoming more like spectators at a baseball game. They come, They cheer, they grumble, and then they go home. This is the result of what I want to call the insecurity, maybe the ego of of the pastors, and maybe the disconnectedness of our membership, of the lay people, of those who 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 are here. And it's like, you know, in truth, according to Ephesians 4, 12, 
the pastor, the minister, is supposed to equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Or to facilitate the ministry of other believers, other Christians in the church. My job is to equip you to do ministry. My job isn't to do all the ministry. My job is to equip you to do the ministry. And the whole concept of the priesthood of all believers underscores the fact that ministry is something that everyone does. We all our ministers. We all take on the ministry. Secondly, uh, something that, that, you know, hinders us is Christians are stunted in their growth because we spend more time dividing than we do working together. Think about this with me. Our nation is divided more now than it ever has been in the history of our nation. The church is divided more now than it ever has been in the history of the church. You have all these different churches, all these different denominations, all these different beliefs. I would take it even a step further. I would say that the home is divided more now than it's ever been. See, we see all this division, but there's not a whole lot of of working together. And we refuse to associate and cooperate with other believers because they come from a different denomination. Because they have a different style of worship. Because they use a different amount of water in their baptism. Because they have communion with a different frequency. They have different views of church leadership and church government and they have a different approach to evangelism and they have a different theological emphasis. Though we never may agree about all things, that everything, we should realize that often we can agree on the important things. Those non-negotiables, where you, 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 know, you know this is a deal breaker. If this isn't what is believed, if, if they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if they don't believe that he died for our sins, if they don't believe that we are regenerated by accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior, those are non-negotiables. And when you think about that, we, we, we have more in common, and, and our agreement should make us allies rather than opponents. And we might agree on 150 different things, but we will split fellowship over the two that we disagree about. Folks, it should not be that way. I'm not saying we have to just be, you know, cozy with everybody, but what I am saying is where there is agreement, we ought to work together in that area. See, the devil and his armies are united. We're not going to be able to stand against them unless we are united as well. And you need to understand that we all, each and every one of us, has a role to play. 
You know, Paul tells us that we have different gifts according to the grace that is given to us. In 1 Corinthians, Paul seems to amplify on on what he is saying. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and following, it says this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of workings or effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. (laughs) Notice what Paul tells us. He says not everyone is, is called or equipped to do the same job. I mean, there's different gifts, service, working. The, The same Spirit gives the gifts. Every spiritual gift comes from the same source. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not be able to do what another Christian is able to do, but folks, that is by design. God created it that way. Some, sometimes people feel like, you know, maybe they are inferior or they lack confidence because they can't teach or they, they, they can't sing or, or, they, or they don't know how to speak in public or whatever the, the thing may be. But God never intended for everyone to be good at all of the same things. He's given us different gifts. And different does not mean better or worse than it just means different. He's given us different gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 11, it says this. It says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So if you have a gift, it's from God, and he gave it to you. And he expects you to use it for his kingdom work. See, the different gifts are distributed as God determines. (laughs) I mean, my calling to preach does not make me a better Christian than you are. My call to preach does not mean that I am more spiritual than you are. It's just different My calling to preach is simply the role that God has called me to play, the one he has given me to do. And this gift is not given because of my merit. It has nothing to do with me. He gave me this because of his sovereign will. I wasn't seeking it. I didn't want it. But you know what? When he calls you, he equips you. And you can do what he asks you to do. See, our gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit, not a manifestation of our goodness or our spirituality. Second, I would say that the gifts of the Spirit are given by God for the purpose of enriching the body of Christ. In other words, it's not our abilities. The abilities that God gives us are are given not primarily for personal enrichment. They're given for the good of the body. And we need to recognize that. The the things he gives us are for everybody else, not for yourself. So when you serve, serve humbly. If your gifts and abilities don't seem to be significant, remember, we're not called to rank the gifts. We're called to exercise them. 
We're called to do them. See, the tear duct in your eye may seem insignificant and of little importance to you until your eye gets dry and there's no moisture there. Then all of a sudden, that little tear duct becomes very important. There are no insignificant gifts. In whatever area of giftedness God has called you and placed you in, we're to remember that we're serving the Lord, but we're also serving each other. You know, a husband, a husband who's tending to his wife, who is in labor, about to have a baby, is eager to do what his wife wants. I mean, if she wants him to hold her hand, he does. If she wants ice chips, he goes and gets them. If she, if she wants him to rub her back, he rubs her back. And if she tells him, get out, he leaves. But he does whatever she needs, and I think whatever is necessary, a husband who has any smarts at all, wouldn't say, why don't you ask me to do something important? He's there for her for whatever is needed. Because he loves his wife and he's eager to help her get through this difficult time. See, this is the way we should approach the body of Christ. Out of love and gratitude, we should be willing to do whatever God has given us to do. You know, we do everything to the honor and glory of God. Every job that he gives us is a privilege. Whether it's singing in worship or cleaning up after an event. It is a privilege to participate in advancing his kingdom. See, there's no pursuit more satisfying, there's no pursuit that is more energizing or more fulfilling than joyfully doing what we can do to serve the Lord. I mean, the church will be effective when we do what we can do. See, the key to effective ministry is when the church of Jesus Christ functions as a healthy body. I mean, Paul's counsel here is pretty simple. If you're able to teach, then teach. If you're able to serve, then serve. If you're a preacher, then preach. And if you're an encourager, then encourage. In other words, your job is to do what we can do for the good of the body, advancing his kingdom. You know, some of you may be thinking, well, I don't know what I can do. (laughs) But I also sense that most of you are confident about what you can do. You just don't realize that it is a ministry that is given by God. I mean, often we use like spiritual gift inventories or questionnaires that help people to identify their place of service. And I wonder if we're not often guilty of making things harder than they need to be. And here's what I'm talking about. Here's some ideas on how to find where and what God wants you to do. First, I would ask yourself one question. What am I good at? What do I know how to do? 
And much of the time we take for granted what we are good at and we assume that everybody can do what I do because it's so easy for me. But maybe everybody can't do what you do. You just make it look easy because you're good at it. I would say if you don't know what you're good at, then talk to your friends because they could probably tell you exactly what you're good at. And they probably tell you what you're not good at too. Especially if they're honest friends. But sometimes they see our gift more clearly than we do. You know, maybe you have the ability to relate to teenagers. You like to be around them. They like to be around you. They, they open up to you. They seem not to be embarrassed uh, when you're around. That's a good thing. And um, you, you've been given a gift. And, and you know, maybe, maybe you love to cook for others or maybe you like to clean. Or maybe you like to organize events or maybe you, like, you have a real heart of compassion for, for people who are hurting. Maybe you like building things, doing things with your hands, spending time in prayer. Maybe there's resources that, that you have that you can give generously. And these things may very well be gifts of God for you to use in the body. So I would say, ask yourself, what am I good at? Secondly, I would say, how can I use my gift and my abilities for the kingdom of God? And, and let, let's take a look at, at some of these things that I've mentioned and show how they could be used in the ministry in the body. I mean, the person who relates well to youth, they could fill a gap as maybe a, a camp sponsor or maybe teaching a Sunday school class. Um, they could offer to transport youth to uh, events that we have or maybe even volunteer to, to lead a, a youth Bible study. Maybe they could serve as a mentor or somebody to disciple. But if God is, is, has put that, is, if he's given you that gift, he's given it to you for a purpose. And that purpose is for you to use it in building up the kingdom of God. Maybe you're a person who likes to clean. I mean, you could donate time to help clean the church or, or maybe volunteer to go into the homes of people who are sick, maybe homebound, or those who've just had a death in the family. Maybe they need somebody to help clean their house. I mean, you could do that. It could be helped. You might not think it's that big a deal, but to the person who receives that ministry, it's a very big deal. It's, it's huge, it's clutch. But the cook, maybe, maybe you could volunteer with a, a funeral dinner or, or uh, maybe making a meal for someone that's on a meal train or maybe a new mom uh, that just had a baby. Uh, maybe they bring a meal to a new family that's coming to our church. But you know, it, there, there's so many things that people could do. I mean, the person who enjoys working with their hands, there's lots of projects around that could be done. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the one who likes to talk on the phone. I'm not, a, I'm not a phone talker, but some of you are. And you know, you could call people. You could call people who have been coming or maybe in, invite people to worship or check in on our homebound. Or maybe you have the heart of compassion and you, you just care about people. And you, you know, you see somebody that's sick in the hospital and you, you want to go visit them. You want to sit with them. You want to spend some time. I mean, all of these things are needed in the body. There's lots of things we can do if we're willing to do what we can do. Third, I would say this. Take a step of faith. Dare to use what you've been given. Dare to try something new. Maybe exercise your faith muscle. 
Stop being embarrassed about, you know, well, hey, I think I could do this. You're not being a braggart. You know, it, it, it's interesting because um, it's not bragging, it's being willing to use what God has equipped you to do. And Paul's counsel on this is simple. Whatever God has equipped you to do, do that. Do what you can. Dare to step out of your comfort zone. But the reality is this. Every one of us is busy. We're all busy. Everybody's busy. Going, going, doing this, going, taking care of that. We all have dozens of things that clamor for our time and for our attention. And it's up to us. It's up to you to choose how you're going to spend your time and your resources. See, it's my hope that you will consider what God is doing here in this body and you would decide to help and use some of those, the, the time that you have and the resources that you have that make, to make an eternal difference. And please consider how you could support the ministry of the body of Christ. I mean, there may be many, many more years before Jesus returns. And if he does, then we want to be about his business. We want to be about doing what he called us to do. He might come tomorrow. He might come today. Praise God if he does. Lord, we wait for you to return. But if he tarries, if he tarries, we have to know that we want to be about his kingdom work. And the work is enormous. There's so, so much to do. But there's another consideration as well. It's only in doing what God has called us to do that we find the satisfaction, that we find the fulfillment, that we find the joy that we seek. There is something energizing about the work of the Lord. If you don't believe me, talk to Jim and Monica. There is something energizing about the work of the Lord. As we serve him, he gives us strength. And we're, we, we find that we are able to do much more than we ever thought possible. It's important to remember that God is not asking us to do this by ourselves. He promises to give us the tools, the resources, and the guidance we need. He's not asking us to do it all. He's simply asking us to do what we can do. You know, one very important thing for any of us to obey is the ancient saying, know thyself. Know thyself. Folks, this will be a work of a lifetime to truly figure out what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. To understand your temptations. To look at yourself with sound judgment. And to find a way to use what God has given you. Without falling into the twin traps of, of vanity or false humility. But being able to use what God has given you. And when God's people take Romans 12.3 to heart. We'll see a change in the attitudes of the people around us. See pride builds walls but humility builds bridges the key word is humility 
which might be defined as a virtue which, when you think you have it, you've lost it. But humility is knowing who you are in God. Knowing who you are in God. You see, pride comes from, I want to say, super thinking about yourself. When you're focused on yourself, pride comes in. The walls come up. Pride comes from blowing your own horn too often or bragging about your accomplishments one too many times or dwelling on your own supposed greatness. And against all of that, Paul says this. He says, know yourself. Know who you are in God. Know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Know what you can do and what you can't do. So don't live in a dream world of thinking that you can do it all because you can't. And the sooner you figure that out, the better. But if you know who you are in God, you don't have to brag and you don't have to beg. You can just be yourself. Your gifts will make themselves evident sooner or later. You know, I'm reminded as I wrap this up, I'm reminded of the English writer who remarked, and he said this, he said, there is no man who if his thoughts were made public would not deserve hanging a dozen times a day. And to which I reply, only a dozen times? I mean, think about it. All we like sheep have gone astray. Isaiah 53. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. And there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, he's telling us that the church is his creation. He's the general superintendent. He's the one building this project that's been going on for a couple thousand years. And the church goes on because it is built on the rock which cannot be shaken. But we don't need to give in to despair. Understand this. We are a teaching hospital. That's what we do. We raise up and we send out. We raise up and we send out so that the kingdom of God can flourish not just here but all over. And that the, the, the footprint of this church in the world is immense. And we don't understand just how far we reach but we reach out there a long ways. And we reach inwards here, right where we live, right where we're at. We're involved in that. We are a teaching hospital. So let us join together as we ask our Lord to raise up a generation of pastors and ministers who will lead with honesty and integrity, compassion, with godly vision and Christ-like character. Because that's what we're about. That's what we're doing. We're raising up ministers to serve, not just here, but all around. As our worship team comes back up, I want to 
close this by, by asking a couple of very penetrating questions. The, one of the questions I have for you is, what are you doing? What are you doing today with the gift that God has given you? Scripture tells us that he gives each one of us a gift to use for the building up of the body. What are you doing with the gift God gave you? Are you using it for his glory? Are you letting it go to waste? Let me put the question in another way. Suppose that everyone in the church were just like you. What kind of church would we have? Would we still be able to staff our ministries? Would we still support missionaries around the world? Would we still reach people for Christ? Because really what we're called to do is to make disciples. To replicate what we are. You know, in most species... A species is considered mature when it can reproduce. When it can have offspring. Are you reproducing? Are you making disciples? Are you reproducing who you are in Christ? See, I just... If every church member was just like me, would that... What kind of church would we have? When you let that sink in, it feels a little uncomfortable. And maybe that's the Holy Spirit wanting you to do something about it. See, the bottom line is very simple. Before we pray for the world to be changed, let us pray that our churches would be changed. But I'll go even a little further. Before we pray that our churches are changed, let's pray that our pastors and ministers would be changed. And before we pray for our ministers and pastors to be changed, let us pray that we ourselves would be changed. Folks, that's a prayer. That's a prayer that God will always be pleased to answer. See, God is looking for willing hearts. Are you willing to be willing to be used by God here? See, I'm sure that God would love to hear those words spoken from each one of us. Lord, I'm willing. Show me what you want. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And our worship team is going to lead us in a couple of of songs of, of response. And this is your opportunity to respond to whatever God is putting on your heart. Maybe you want to follow the, maybe you want to, uh, you know, express faith in Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you've never proclaimed him publicly. Do that. Maybe you're here and you're a believer, but you've not been baptized. Follow him in baptism and obedience. Maybe you want to come and be a part of the fellowship here. Do that. You come. But whatever he's putting on your heart, respond to him this morning. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your intelligent design. I thank you for how you have...